0: Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life.
1: Well, hello, I'm Janet Morena, Executive Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our program. Well, of course, the topic of abortion, the word abortion, we are finally hearing all over the nation. Uh, June the 24th with the overruling or overturning of Roe. It's a hot topic, finally. You know, I've been in this movement for over 30 years with Father Pavone, and I always said, when is we going to get abortion off the back burner, put it on the front burner? Well, it is all over right now. (coughs) Excuse me. And obviously, it's going to be on the ballot Uh, in in November, and we only have 20 some odd days to these midterm elections. It's so important. And so today, we're going to delve into this topic a little bit more. Uh, We're going to talk to a woman who herself has had an abortion. We're going to talk about the overruling of Roe, how that makes her feel now. And also, she works with college students in a secular college in New Jersey. Well, joining me today is a dear friend of mine. She also co-hosts The Catholic View for Women with me and Teresa Tamio, as seen on EWTN. Welcome to the program, Mary. And of course, you did have an abortion in 1972. Just quickly give everyone the background of how that happened.
0: Okay, yes, Janet. I became pregnant as a junior in high school. I was just 17 years old. Um, During that time, it was the sexual revolution. And so many things were happening, you know, young people were not educated, uh, really, on what could happen if you were having sex before marriage. And I did become pregnant, and at the time, abortion was only legal in, I believe, the states of New York, California, and I think Colorado. It was uh, illegal in all other states. So uh, that was an opportunity. I finally got to a Planned Parenthood for a pregnancy test and they directed me right into New York uh, for the abortion. Um, and at the time, you know, crossing state lines was not an issue, but also uh, we really didn't have any information except that I had to be 18, which I was not. I was 17, but they just instructed me to lie about my age. And I had to have the money. That was the main issue, was having the money uh, to pay for the abortion. Uh,
1: So now they they basically specifically said, don't tell them your age, correct?
0: Correct. Oh, yes. (coughs) Uh, I was instructed, really really during the process of Planned Parenthood, I was (coughs) instructed not to tell my parents. It was no talk about adoption or other health. It was all about abortion. Because at the time... What they were trying to do is get young women like myself uh, to, you know, have abortions. They were really pushing uh, making abortion legal. And they, the more women they got, it was a business, uh, the better off they would be. So, yes, they, I was instructed to lie about my age, not to tell anyone. And it would be a very simple surgical procedure that would be over in a matter of hours. And I would have no regrets or no after effects from. And of course, you had your
1: abortion in one of the abortion clinics that was owned and operated by Dr. Bernard Nathanson, who was the architect of the abortion industry, who later, of course, became full circle Pro life. But immediately following that abortion, um, you know, just tell them quickly, you went into denial. Like, how did you deal with it?
0: Well, I was in shock. Uh, It was a lot more. Uh, of course, physically, emotionally, and even spiritually for a young girl to handle at that time. I was awake during the procedure. I also uh, got to the point that I wanted to leave. And, you know, the nurse at that time, you know, we're talking a lot about coercion. Uh, it's in the news lately. And the nurse really held me down and said, you know, you don't want to go. It's fine. Just take a deep breath. You're going to be Okay. Um, so they really were not concerned about, you know, myself as a young person or of course the baby. Um, so after it finished, um, I wasn't shocked. They put you in another room and you're just, for me, I was just by myself really crying, not knowing what to do. I realized at that point that it was a child, uh, especially listening to the banter between the nurse and the doctor. And you know, my heart sank. I didn't know what to do. Um, so, what do you do? You just cope the best way you possibly can, um, and go forward and hope to forget everything. That was the goal.
1: <laughs> so, how long did it take, Mary, to you went from being a junior in high school to where you sought sought healing from this abortion?
0: Uh, it took me 25 years to wow. go into healing. What happens when you have an abortion is you go into denial, because denial is your friend. Uh, You don't talk about it. You don't think about it. And the unfortunate thing was a year later, actually it was like seven months later, Roe V. Wade passed um, in 1973 in January, and that was a trigger. So when these triggers come up, you really have to have mechanisms to push them down and just make them go away. So... Any of the triggers that I was feeling, like desiring, you know, looking at small children, I had to push that away. Um, getting anxious or depressed, push that away. And how do you do that? You do that by, you know, drinking, drugs, more sex, bad relationships. Uh, you kind of get yourself into a tailspin uh, just to forget about what really happened because you you can't process that whole thing, you know. Right. <laughs> so it was. 25 years of this, I ended up, you know, being married and did not have um, my own living child till 12 years later because I was involved in my career and business and work. I really didn't feel worthy to become a mother, uh, which was the bottom line. And it wasn't until (laughs) um, actually Rachel's Vineyard had just started maybe a year before I I went to healing. And um, that's when I started to get some information about what there
1: is, you know, beyond. Right. And of course, I know you went through Rachel's Vineyard and you went on to actually be very active part of Rachel's Vineyard Ministry, being on teams. In fact, you and I served on a team together.
0: Right.
1: And then, of course, you have been very outspoken uh, with your story. I know you've been part of Silent No More, coming to Washington every year, talking about your regret, telling about your story. I know you've spoken in many venues all over New Jersey and, of course, on The Catholic View, other media. But now, when June the 24th happened, when you saw Roe overturned, what were your feelings You as a woman who had an abortion and, you know... Now you see it's, Ill, you know, it's overturned. It goes back to the states again, which is kind of the situation before, you know, that you were in back then, although now New Jersey has enshrined in their constitution. But on June the 24th, when you heard this whole overturning of Roe, what, what were your feelings as a woman who's experienced
0: abortion? Well, during that day, I was actually in a car driving with my husband to New York State and it the family. And, um, you know, we were wondering, we were listening to the radio, and, of course, it came on. And I tell you, I was shocked. I never thought that this day was really going to come. Even though we've heard, you know, there's a good chance, and we had Supreme Court, and, you know, the Dobbs case made a lot of sense. Um, it was not constitutional, you know, of course, you know, um, Roe. So many things in our favor, but when I actually heard the words, I I was overwhelmed and just so many feelings of, you know, gratitude uh, for all the people that have worked so hard for so many years. And then also, you know, just realizing that um, this was going to be a day that changed, that changed things forever um, yeah. and what, what was going to happen with that, you know, because even though, you know. The abortion was before World well, Great. We it's still, you know, we're so connected to what happened uh, the last, you know, all these years, so you know, 50 years. So, or well, almost 50, I should say, 49 years.
1: Um, yeah.
0: So, yes, uh, it was quite a shock, and I'm still processing it. I still yeah. think that it happened. You know, it's like a dream almost. Yeah.
1: Now you work at Montclair State University. you're in what's called the Newman Center, which is the Catholic presence on a secular college. Exactly. So when you came back to campus now uh, this semester with the overturning of Roe, you're in a, you know a, the Catholic Newman Center where the students are you know supposed to be somewhat Catholic and know that abortion is against the teachings of the church. What was the feeling on campus? Just among the the students from the Newman Center.
0: Well, it's very difficult on a secular college today. Um, You know, the word abortion is going back to women's right, uh, women's health care, you know, all these mixed messages. And there was a lot of protests uh, on campus when schools started about, um, you know, that we have to protect uh, women's right to abortion. And as you mentioned before, Janet, in the state of New Jersey, abortion is legal uh, up until birth, okay? And we have one of the most lenient uh, abortion laws, and we have a major clinic actually right in the town here in Montclair there. Um, so any student that does get pregnant on campus is shuttled, you know, shuttled right there. So our job at the Newman Center is really to break down uh, what abortion is, uh, what it does to women and men, uh, what the history of abortion is. uh, As you always bring up, your friend, you know, Norma McCorvey, um, you know, she never had an abortion and she became life. You know, all these stories are very, very important um, to educate, you know, our young people. And I'm going to be doing actually probably before Election Day Um, you know, a whole uh, evening on, you know, respect life and abortion, you know, with my story and just to educate them uh, because they don't know. They listen to, you know, what the media says and what their friends say. And so it really is a a big educational piece with what the church teaches. And why does the church teach that?
1: Do you find then, you know, the students who actually show up and come to the Newman Center are somewhat concerned about still practicing their Catholic faith. I know you offer a mass for the students, you know, so they're a little bit more plugged in, but what is it like for them when they're out in those classes with the other people on campus? Both. I'm sure a lot of the professors are very liberal and, you know, like the challenge I think must be daunting to be a faith filled Catholic student to kind of like, You know, you'd like the lamb being led to the slaughter out there, uh, with between the other students who are very maybe liberal and the professors. So, what's
0: the feeling there? It's very difficult for our students. In fact, uh, this has been an area that's come up multiple times, even in politics. uh, You know, if you have a different opinion of what is, you know, the university or, you know things in general, the academia, what they promote, you really can't say it. That's why, you know, the whole freedom of speech thing is really an issue on the college campus that's very serious. So if you disagree, okay, you have the chance of not, you know, getting the right grade or being ostracized. So what happens with a lot of young people is they shut down. There are very few that can really stand up and say, no, I disagree. Uh, they shut down. And this has been, you know, something that the university, not just Montclair, but, you know, other universities have really uh, ousted, you know, anybody else that has a second opinion. You can see if anybody comes pro-life to speak at a university, a lot of times they are shut down or (laughs) canceled. You know, it's the cancel culture. So even though we would support our students 100% and really try to help them dialogue, It's very, very difficult. Um, And that's why they come to the Newman Center so they themselves can have a dialogue with each other. But it's, you know, kind of strength in numbers. But it's not easy today, at all. Yeah.
1: Well, I'll tell you, Mary, I don't know if you saw in the news, um, but the cancel culture on college campuses is so strong that here in Florida, um, just the other day, Senator Ben Sass is retiring. He's not running again. And he's accepted a position as president of a Florida college here. And the students were protesting like it. crazy the idea that a conservative person was going to be head of their college, that he was going to bring his conservative values to campus. And they were going ballistic on campus. I mean, he didn't even show up to start the job yet. <laughs> he has to finish out his term as senator. Right. You know, so I guess he won't take office, you know, as president of this university until January. But they were already foaming at the mouth and protesting Senator Ben Sass. And I just saw, saw heard that yesterday
0: on the news. It's unbelievable, right? right? We we've had many students giving classes and not just, you know, pro-life issues. I mean, we uh, you know, the whole gender thing. Um you know, all of that, you cannot disagree, okay? You can't say your own two genders. I mean, I mean, I mean, there's so many things that uh, they really have been co opted with, and they're afraid, okay? And that's what, you know, this whole culture, you know, the culture of death, if you want to call it, or, you know, whether it's abortion or, or something that's going against the human dignity of the person, they are just adamant at you know, no one will have their own opinion. So it is hard. And even in the parishes, you know, we know, at least on the East Coast, very rarely are the, do these subjects come up because, you know, our clergy is afraid you know, to talk about it. You know, they're afraid of pushback. So really, where do they hear it? Unless they're in a the house that uh, the parents are speaking, they don't hear it at all. So, wow. you know, it's really a scary opportunity <laughs> So you're, doing now, too much. you're You're trying to teach the faith, but you're also trying to teach everything right.
1: else. Women. Now, with this upcoming midterm elections, as you know, they are so important mm-hmm. uh, for the pro-life issue. But I think even just for our nation to survive <laughs> as, as a nation, we know the students there. At the, now, just the Newman Center, not the rest of the crazies on right. campus. But among the Newman Center kids, would you say? Most of them are registered to vote and they will vote pro-life. What's the sentiment you're hearing about the election there?
0: It's a good question. I think students in general, um, and I'm being very general now, but they're apathetic as far as it comes to voting, okay? It's amazing how many students don't vote. They may be registered, but they don't vote. They really don't know the candidates or what they stand for. And, you know, they're kind of in the moment. With the pandemic, the last two and a half years, it has really had a huge impact, uh, you know, not just in people in general, but young people. Um, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of depression. And I think uh, students are just trying to survive each day. They're not even really worrying about what's happening. we are not getting the information also what's happening in the United States, uh, you know, No one watches the news if they look at something that's online or TikTok or one of these chat rooms. So they're not really informed about um, what the consequences could be, say, if certain people get into office, even though we know the last two years what's been going on, you know, how our country has changed. And the fact that you're not allowed to have a voice or um, an opinion and you can't say that openly, that is if, you know, we have not grown up with anything like that, Um, especially in a college campus. You should be able to, you know, talk critically and share your opinions, but you are
1: shut down. Wow. So Yeah. When you think about, you know, colleges and universities, that was supposed to be the place where there could be this free exchange of ideas that... You think this idea, but we think that idea. And let's let's honestly discuss this and debate it. Right. But the progressives, the liberals, they've gotten to the point, like you said, with the cancel culture, it's silence. They want to shut us up. You can't be pro-life. You can't even be pro-American because they're, yeah. they're, they've become almost anti-American. I mean, just recently we had Columbus Day. And oh, my gosh, there were people... Protesting Columbus Day uh, and and going against uh, all that Italian heritage of Columbus Day and everything. So
0: stay here. We have the uh, you know Indigenous People's Day, which is fine. What? You can have a a holiday for that. But why are you erasing Columbus? You know, it's right. That's all in this thread of America is not a good place. Uh, America has treated people terribly. Uh, and then we look at abortion and say, but you know, we're killing our own children, okay, in a thousand. So, but that's acceptable. Um, so, it really is, you know, for parents out there, you really have to discern on the college for the most, you know, um, for the most part, colleges are extremely liberal left. Even our Catholic see sad to say. Um, but one of the good things is here at Montclair State, we have an excellent New Catholic center. We have a wonderful uh, chaplain, we've got focused missionaries here. So there really is a light in the darkness. Um, it's just getting those young people here and, you know, engaging them. And that's what our town's ministry does. That's their goal and mission to really go one-on-one with students, meet them where they're at, and then just dialogue with them. Because once right. you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then it is um, much easier, you know, to talk about these all these issues, and, you know, why you're here. A lot of young people don't have a sense of why they were born, why they're here, or what the purpose is in life. We take, you know, it's been taken all away. So that's what we, we do focus on um, yeah. with them. But it's a lot, you know, it's a lot.
1: Well, I would say for any parents who are listening, uh, if you've sent your, your young boy, uh, daughter or son off to college, whether it's a Catholic, supposedly, or secular college, uh, you really have to encourage them to get involved with the Catholic ministry on campus, uh, Newman Centers or other, whatever other name they're at, uh, because that is a, a beacon of light. They are in the darkness that they'll find for their young people. And it is a shame, Mary, that even the Catholic universities have gotten so liberal. Um, When I think of it, like, for example, I think there's maybe about a dozen colleges, Catholic colleges, only about a dozen of them that you could actually say nationwide, about 12 of them are really true, authentic, solid, conservative Catholic colleges. And the rest have gone you know, they, they've collapsed to the culture. They really have. So um, uh, I'm telling you, it, it, it it's shocking. And uh, parents have to beware. You know, you, you just can't send your kids off to school and think, oh, they'll be fine. Yeah. No. The yeah. attack is strong, right?
0: It is extremely strong. And it's uh, strong against the family, against the parents, um, against our country. I mean, you know. I would really be thinking twice, you know, even sending my own daughter off, um, you know, if she was that age anymore. There's something to be said by uh, home study and also, you know, maybe going locally or a small college that you know what they're teaching, you know, because it's yeah. like they go for four years and they're coming out different people. Um, and they're not happy. You know, that's the thing that's most concerning. Um, and we offer our students, we work with Catholic Psych, which is a Catholic you know, psychology uh, institute, um, and we offer them, you know, Catholic um, therapy, actually, uh, because that's a lot different than, you know, secular therapy. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, we do do everything we can here to really help our students grow, um, and they don't always get the support from the families because, as you know, today families are working it's it's a day in, day out
1: mission. Well, Mary, I really want to thank you for joining me today. And of course, thank you to you and Father uh, Jim there at the Montclair uh, Newman Center. You guys are just holding tight and continue to spread that light in the darkness there. So thanks for all you do. God bless you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, brothers and sisters, there are things you can do. For example, I want to highlight again my brand new book, Everything You Need to Know About Abortion for Teens and Adults, Young Adults. This book is very educational. It will really help the young people learn about this issue, learn the history of it, and then learn what abortion does to the baby and, of course, to the parents, the grandparents, the whole family. There's beautiful pictures inside. I can show you of the unborn child. Um, that really a, a picture is worth a thousand words. Just look at some of the wor- the pictures. And of course, we're offering a special thing right now. And uh, this might be interested to some youth groups. Uh, normally, the book for one is a donation of fifteen dollars, but we're offering it in quantity discounts. Ten copies or more is just a ten dollar donation. A hundred or more, eight dollars. And for anyone that orders quantity after the students read the book. I will do a complimentary Zoom meeting with the students to answer their questions. Just go to our online store at ProLifeProducts.org, where you can order one, ten, or multiple copies of this book, and let's get our young people educated. Because you know, brothers and sisters, there are some abortions only you will be able to stop, and some lives only you will be able to save. Join us again next time on Just Ask Janet.